It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, we're halfway through the 2022 campaign for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Obviously, things are going well, right? It's a 6-0 season so far. Five straight home wins and finally a win on the road last weekend at Michigan State. But with the Buckeyes uh, idle this week, we decided to use the bye week and say, hey, okay, let's reset, figure out who's done what well and who needs to get better in the second half of the season. And so we're going to give out our midseason awards, most improved, most surprising, the biggest moment of the first half, who's got the most left to prove, and who is most primed for a big second half of the season. It's our midseason award show on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown on this gorgeous Friday morning in the Midwest. And thanks for making Buckeye Breakdown part of your stop as you follow the Ohio State Buckeyes here in 2022. Please support the channel by subscribing to our YouTube channel. That would really be helpful. That's the uh, best way you can support the show and, and give us the chance to bring content like this to you as, as you want to follow the team. You can also find this podcast most of the time live on our YouTube channel. But in addition to that, it's available after the fact wherever you like to find your favorite podcast the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, and, and several other spots as well. I'm Brendan Gulick, along with Craig Heisen. Thanks for joining. Uh, Craig, this is uh, this is an episode I've been looking forward to for a little while because it's a chance to reflect on, thankfully, what are some largely pretty good memories so far in the first half. And uh, there are not too many things to nitpick with a team that right now looks like the number one team in the country. There's not. There's not. It's been a really fun first half of the season. We're the open bye week, whatever you want to call it, couldn't come at a better time to kind of watch really good slate of college football Saturday. So um, hopefully <laughs> Buckeye Nation and particularly the males in general um, are allowed to watch and not headed to a pumpkin patch uh, or something this, <laughs> this Saturday since it's been all Buckeye football, a lot, a lot of home games. So um, I'm sure there's some honey to do lists that need to be done Saturday, but hopefully you can catch some of these uh, really good games that are that are coming uh, yeah, on Saturday. You got, a, you got a pumpkin patch in your future this weekend? Is that what you're telling me? There was there was some hints at a pumpkin patch. I'm trying to figure out what time that's going to be. I really want to watch the Michigan game. Uh, <laughs> so, we'll either go later in the afternoon or knock it out first thing in the morning. So we'll see. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Totally understand that. Uh, I'm actually uh, I'm in Chicago this weekend doing some work for Big Ten Network. So uh, I don't have a honey-do list this weekend, but I'm sure I'll have it when I get back on Monday. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, let's uh, let's kind of jump into the awards. Um, I, uh, I I tried to think outside the box a little bit because some of these could be rather obvious. Uh, and I don't know that there's always a one size fits all answer. So uh, why don't we start with most improved? I have a hunch I know where you're going with this. I'll let you start and then I'll feed off you. First of all, I want to preface it by saying these awards, these mean a lot. So uh, the players that are taking these home today, I, I expect some tweets and, and are, are we calling Thank the, you. what are we calling them? The, the Heisens? I mean, what are they? I don't, I don't know what we got. 
Yeah, I don't know what we need to call these. We got to come up with that by by Monday. Um, but most most improved. I didn't. I did not think outside the box for this one. I I got Tommy Eckenberg, just compared to what we saw in 2021. Especially we've hit on it multiple times. The Tulsa game, um, and just the improvement. I can't remember a player that's made this kind of jump. Whether it's the scheme, the new scheme, the new coaching staff, something's clicking that wasn't last year we saw hints of it in the Rose Bowl performance but uh, he was just named to the Bednarik um, list this week uh, given out to the best defensive player in college football so if uh, you would have told me that earlier last year that this kid would be on the li that list this season uh, I would have bet against that but he has come a long way and, and is leading that defense making sure everybody's in the right spot and and leading the team in tackles tackle for loss he's got two and a half sacks so he's playing phenomenal yeah Who he do sure you got I, I, uh, I'm going to try to give you one on offense and one on defense here. Um, okay. I, it, first of all, it's kind of hard to pick on the offensive side for a number of these awards because of how, how high level execution, you know, we've seen a lot of these guys produce. Um, I went with Julian Fleming, uh, on the offensive side only because, Julian's had a hard time getting on the field. It's never been a capability thing with him, but he's finally healthy enough and performing really, really well. And he's adding another layer of depth to a wide receiver room that coming into the year we knew had a chance to be really good. And and you, you always hope things are going to work out really well, but until it actually does, you're kind of waiting to see what's, you know, what's going to transpire. I don't think anybody was um, – you know, low uh, on Marvin Harrison or Emeka Ibuka, you know, those are guys that obviously had super, super high ceilings coming in. And when you lose, you know, when you, when you lose Olave and, and Wilson in the draft the way you did, you, you know you're losing top-end talent and replacing it with good players. Julian, to me, has always felt like the third guy in that receiver room coming into the season simply because Emeka got a bunch of playing time last year and Marvin played so well at the end of the year. Uh, and it worked really hard in the offseason. So I, I just love the improvement I've seen from Fleming. I think he gives a huge, huge, uh, you know, piece of depth to this offense. It's been great to see his productivity so far. He's He's been really special. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I, I mean, look, Tommy feels like an obvious choice. And you could also probably argue Steel Chambers with as well as he's playing. I decided to go the Mike Hall route. Um, you know, I, I guess I just didn't have – you know, super high expectations for my call coming into the season because I thought we were going to see guys on the depth chart that I thought were in front of him. Um, and and Mike last year was apparently not playing at a level well enough to see regular playing time. Not saying he wasn't good, but he wasn't on the field a whole lot, certainly not in meaningful spots. Well, now it feels like, you know, I, I know he's battling a little bit of that shoulder injury, but I mean, look at his productivity last week. You know, he had two and a half sacks and he played fewer than 10 plays. Um, and, and he has unquestionably been the, the guy that's jumped off the page at you on the defensive line. So I'm, I'm going to go with Mike Hall as my most, uh, most improved player through the first half of the season. Love it. Um, I'll start here. Most surprising on offense, only surprising in that his statistics have followed what I've always thought his talent level is. I'm going Cade Stover. You know, I've made it no secret that I think Cade Stover is an NFL tight end in the making. I, I think he is an absolute star. And I I just love the way he approaches the game, the team mentality with which he plays. He is 
quickly becoming one of my all-time favorite Ohio State Buckeyes. I love Cade Stover. He's an incredible leader, and uh, I'm, I'm really happy for him the way he's performed so far in the beginning of the season. On the defensive side of the ball, my most surprising player is actually not for a good reason. It's it's Denzel Burke for me, um, mm. only because you know we we had high expectations of Denzel coming into the season, and again, like I'm not trying to kill the kid. He's played okay. He's made some good plays, but he's also had a tough first half. And you know when you're looking at a team where it feels like every single box is being checked, except for maybe sometimes at cornerback it almost magnifies that issue a little bit, fair or unfair. So I, I'm going to go with Denzel Burke only because he hasn't played great so far, and we saw last year that he's capable of much more. Uh, I, I hope Denzel uses the off week here to just mentally hit the reset button and get back to who he can be. You threw me off there a little bit with the Denzel Burke for most surprising in a, in a negative connotation there. That that uh, I was not expecting that one. But, yeah, he played well at Michigan State. Hopefully keep that momentum going. Um, practice this week and, and for Iowa, who should not be that tough of a challenge through the air. So um, my most surprising, uh, I got, I'm got i going on the defensive side of the ball with not so much in the play because we knew he was a very, very good player, but the fact that he's playing at all um, this early in the season after coming off that uh, breaking his leg in the Rose Bowl, Lathan Ransom. Mm -hmm. So he, on that back end, he is just really solidifying um, things back there because um, the corners have been a little bit iffy at times. Um, he's fourth on the team in tackles. He's got the one interception. I think he probably ends the year with four. Uh, that's going to be my bold prediction for the second half. Okay, um, I like that. Playing at a really high level, um, and great to see him out there. If you would have told me he'd be ready for week one after seeing the gruesome leg injury uh, he suffered in the Rose Bowl, I would have would have thought he probably wouldn't be ready. But not only was he ready. He's He's performing at a high level. So, yeah, I like no Ransom for that. All right, let's jump into uh, biggest moment so far of the first half. Um, there's there's a wide variety of things you can pick from. It can be an individual play. It can be one one person's performance. It can be something as a team. What uh, what stood out to you is the top moment of the first half of the season. Yeah, so I went the, I went the route of the biggest moment, meaning to me the – uh, kind of a single play. So for me, I, I picked the Mayan Williams catch on third down against Notre Dame. I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was like third and six or seven. Uh, but it was about nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, if he doesn't make that catch, I don't think the Buckeyes lose the game. But maybe that goes a little bit different. I think it was only 14 to 10 at the time of that play. And, and if he doesn't catch that ball on the sideline, which a catch he made that I did not know he could make, um, was one of the more athletic plays we've seen him make in his Ohio State career. Um, but that that play to me, if he doesn't catch that, that game could have gone the other way. Yeah, yeah. How about That's you? A great point. Um, I, I think we're on similar wavelengths when we're talking Notre Dame here. And, again, I, I went one offense, one defense. Um, I, I actually just chose, in general, the fourth quarter of that Notre Dame game because I thought – the biggest question coming into the season was how tough are the Buckeyes? Can they figure out a way at the end of the game to answer the toughness questions that they've been hearing for eight months during the offseason after things didn't go well last November? And, you know, they got pushed around a little bit uh, against, frankly, a good Utah team. And I know the Buckeyes were a little shorthanded in that game um, and obviously ended up winning, right? I'm not downplaying that. 
but certainly against Oregon and, and Michigan last year. And at times Utah, there were questions about their toughness. And that was the driving factor all off season. You got to be able to stop the run and you got to be able to run between the tackles, even if the other team knows you're going to do it because you got to just flat out be a tougher team. And I thought the way Ohio State offensively in a first half against Notre Dame, that was okay. It was fine, but it was clunky. Um, the second half, it was marginally better, right? I mean, it was certainly of the six games they've played so far, that was certainly the least productive offensive game they've had. But it's the first game of the season against a new coaching staff, um, against a quarterback who hadn't started before. You don't have any actual film on that team. There's so much you have to prepare for in a moment like that that it's it's hard to be unbelievably good, uh, especially when you're playing a quality opponent. So I I was impressed with the way Ohio State offensively figured it out late in the game when they needed to put the game away, they did. And and I know this might sound a little bit redundant, but in the same way, my biggest moment defensively was was similar. I'm just extending it to the whole second half. They shut out Notre Dame in the second half. You're losing 10 to 7 at halftime. Things haven't gone great, but they they've gone okay. Your defense played a good first half and then it became okay, look, we got to figure out a way to give our offense a chance to get back in this thing and to to get going. Um and and the second half defensive performance against the Fighting Irish was something I will not forget for a long time. They really really stepped up to the challenge. Um and and frankly I think they set the tone for the rest of the year that like hey this this defense looks and feels a lot different than it did a year ago and this is not going to be a unit that people are going to just push around come crunch time. So yeah. You know, the Notre Dame game was obviously the biggest game of the first half for sure. But I thought both offensively in the fourth quarter when they needed to put it away and defensively in the second half when they had to show that, look, everything we've worked on can also result in a goose egg on the scoreboard. Um, that's to me, that's what stood out most in the, in the first half of the year. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, uh, two more awards left to give for our first half awards here on Buckeye Breakdown. Let's go uh, most left to prove. Uh, you go ahead and take that one first. Defense. Okay, I'll jump. Um, you know, it's it's funny. It's like when, when a team is executing at such a high level, how many guys really, quote-unquote, have something to prove? Um, it, it's hard to figure out exactly – from starters where to where to go in that direction. So I I went the route of Kyle McCord 
And I just want to preface this by saying, look, I have said several times publicly, I think Kyle McCord is an NFL quarterback in the making. He's got the size. He's got the strength. He's got an incredible arm. His teammates love him. I love the way he interacts with his teammates on the sideline, even though he's not getting a lot of reps yet uh, in in game. And when I say reps, I mean like actual meaningful, hey, the game is tight reps. It's a challenging year for Kyle because he's got to stay as ready as possible. But as we've talked about several times, hadn't been able to throw the ball a whole lot because he's been in situations where Ryan Day admitted on Tuesday this week, I'm trying to respect the game. And when he's gotten in games, it's, you know, you, you got to do things the right way. So I only say that Kyle McCord has the most left to prove because I just want to see him get opportunities in some situations that are slightly yeah. more meaningful. Uh, but I don't want that to be because CJ is suddenly unavailable. So um, that's that's where I'm going to go with that on the offensive side. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to fun things from Kyle. On the defensive side, I'm picking somebody who has not been on the field yet this year, and that's Jordan Hancock. We have heard over and over again from this coaching staff how much they really like this kid and really wanted him to be a significant component to the secondary from the beginning of camp. And unfortunately, Jordan's been dealing with an injury and he hasn't been able to get on the field yet. I think there's a lot of people hoping he can be available for Iowa, that maybe these last two weeks uh, would be enough to get him over the hump. We actually don't know the injury he's dealing with. The Buckeyes have not alluded to it. They have never said that it was a season-ending thing and had kind of acknowledged a couple weeks ago that maybe after the bye is the right time that he could get back on the field. So I'm I'm kind of looking at Jordan Hancock and saying, okay, first of all, get healthy, but second of all, you know, let's see what you've shown the coaching staff that's excited them as much as you have. Yeah, they, they all sound excited about him playing. I, I swear it was the Rutgers week, I want to say, that – they kind of alluded to he might get in, and then the next week it was like he's not even close. So yeah. it's it's just kind of weird how what's going on there, and we have no idea what what his exact injury is. Um, but most left to prove for me, I put uh, kind of the whole Ohio State special teams unit as a whole. Um, and I'm going to rattle a couple things off here, but want to start by saying at at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter how bad their special teams is because I think they win the rest of the regular season games by double digits. So I don't think it's going to come down to a field goal or a punt that they got to pin them back or stop on a kick return. At the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter because I think Ohio State's going to, going to beat all their opponents the rest of the year by, by two scores. Um, but right now in the seven metrics that they track for special teams, Ohio State is worse than they were last year and all of them, but two. And some of the drop-offs are drastic. Um, Right now, the only two that they are better at are punt returns and, and punting as a whole. So that's something uh, Coach Day talked about this past week, uh, making sure they have the right personnel in there and kind of hinting that they might not have the right guys in the right spot. So um, we'll look for some changes maybe in the Iowa game to see what they mix up special teams-wise because right now it's it's not yeah, working. Yeah, you better be careful against Iowa because they are known for having very good special teams. They are. You know, to your point last week, Michigan State basically did everything right. You know, they pinned the Buckeyes back inside the 10-yard line mm -hmm. several times, and Ohio State had three 90-yard scoring drives. They had a couple others yeah. that were 70-plus. Um, you know, once the offense gets on the field, they tend to do their thing, and they tend to do it at a pretty high level. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there have been a few shaky moments on special teams this year, you know, hurtling the punt shield, uh, a couple of missed kicks, just 
some things here and there that mm-hmm. haven't been quite as high. So I, I can see why you'd go with uh, with that route. Uh, and then let's let's kind of wrap our uh, our thoughts here. Who is most primed for a big second half of the season? I'll let you start. Yeah, let's took one guy on offense. I think it's uh, going to be Mayim Williams. Um, I mean, coming into this year, we we knew he'd get playing time. Did Buckeye Nation totally expect that it would be like this? I don't. I don't think we can de- definitively answer that. But um, I mean, sixty-four rushes for four ninety-seven and um, eight touchdowns in the first half. I think he ends up the season with 18 touchdowns and 1,200 yards. So I think we're going to see down the stretch that he's going to be, I don't know, I don't want to go out quite on a limb and say it's a Trey Sermon-like run at the end of the year, but I think it's going to look something similar to that. Not that they forget about Travion, but I think down the stretch, Mayan Williams is going to be the guy that is toting the rock and, and carrying him in these big, big games. And I think we'll start to see that next week with Iowa. I think, I think he's going to get more run than, than Trey is. Um, and he's just a hot hand this year. He's running hard. Um, and it sounds like he's going to be fully healthy with, with, the yeah, I'm just going to say that's the only, that, that's the only drawback that I would have there is, um, yeah. you know, he obviously got banged up. He said he was fine on Twitter. He'd be back. Um, nobody at Ohio state has indicated that this was a long-term thing. Um, but obviously, for a guy that you've leaned pretty heavily on at the beginning of the season, for him to not be available for a game, he, he obviously had to be banged up enough. Um, I, I I hope that he is back at 100% full health, you know, for the Iowa game a, a week from tomorrow because he's absolutely going to be a big part for this Buckeye team uh, if, if they're going to make a run in a national title. He will, um, he will, no doubt. I think I think Trey still runs for over a thousand, just shot, uh, just over a thousand yards. But I think mine's gonna. So you think the Buckeyes are gonna have two one thousand yard running backs with two his passing back. attack? They are. Wow, they are. that that cold weather, you know. I think they're just gonna start toting it a little bit more, and 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 uh, we'll see we'll see down the stretch. But I think two with two one thousand yard guys is what they're gonna have. That would be uh, that'd be quite a feat. I'd have to look that up. How many teams have had two one thousand yard backs and had a quarterback that probably, you know, hits a, a crazy high uh, passing yard threshold? Yeah, and a couple um, receivers over a thousand. <laughs> they're they're going to be lighting up the scoreboard in the second half. That by looking by forward to it for sure. You know, I, offensively, I was trying to figure out the direction I wanted to go, and and part of me wanted to leave CJ out of this because I feel like he's playing in a league of his own. But I, I just decided that I think maybe CJ is the guy for, you know, who's primed for the biggest second half. He's played lights out. He's made very few mistakes so far in the first half. He's had a couple of games where he hasn't looked quite as sharp, but the stats have still been there. You know, he's the runaway favorite right now for winning the Heisman Trophy. Now, we're only halfway home, but he is certainly in the driver's seat. Um, I just get the impression that this team is going to continue to go as CJ goes. Ryan has talked about it. CJ's talked about it. A lot of his teammates have talked about it. He doesn't really seem to give, you know, give a crap about the, uh, the the stats side of things. He just wants to win. And the fact that this is such a talented offense and the fact that Ryan Day as a play caller continues to evolve and, and prove that he knows exactly how to manipulate a defense and he's got the chess pieces on the field to, to pull it off. Um, I just feel like CJ's playing at an extremely high level. You know, again, knock on wood, if he stays healthy, I mean, he's probably going to play himself into the conversation if he's not already there for number one pick in the draft. 
and a Heisman Trophy, uh, you know, award at the end of the year. So I'm, you know, I don't think that's going too much out on a limb to say that he's primed for a big second half, whatever that looks like. But uh, the Buckeyes go as he goes, and if they're going to do in the second half of the season what they've set out to do, they're going to lean pretty heavily on their uh, on their star quarterback. On the defensive side of the ball, I don't mean to to repeat something you had already said, but I I think Lathan Ransom is going to be primed for a big second half because of the way he's played the first half of the season. Um, his confidence level is really high, and he is executing pretty darn well. And I think everybody was pretty surprised to see him not just playing well, but playing in general, given what he went through last January. Um, I I get the impression that Lathan is starting to force his way onto the field uh, a little bit more regularly. We've seen him a lot these last couple of weeks. I actually think Josh Proctor's played pretty well, but mm-hmm. Lathan is playing really, really good football. And um, I, I get the impression he's primed for a big second half of the year. So, um, yeah, those are our uh, those are our midseason awards. Did we miss anybody that we should have talked about? I don't know. I, I never, How do we go through a whole midseason we, and not, good, my, not discuss I wanted to, Exactly. I wanted to preface it by saying C.J. Stroud wins all my awards. Um, I mean, it's just incredible how he's playing this year. C.J. Stroud, on, you're most left to prove. <laughs> yeah, most left to prove, biggest moment, uh, most surprising, everything. You remember – I want to take take you back. Do you remember the after the first half of the Minnesota game last year when people wanted to, to yeah. put Cal McCord in? What a fun time that was on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How far we've come. So CJ Stroud is on pace to do something that has not been done in 27 years and winning the uh, quarterback triple crown, if you will, of uh, touchdown passes, yards per attempt, and efficiency rating. So it's only been five quarterbacks in power five in the last 64 years that have even done it. And the last one was 27 years ago. So he's a, it's a historical season. Um, he's on the Mount Rushmore of Ohio State quarterbacks. It's just incredible how he's playing. And then to not mention Marvin Harrison just shows you how stacked this team is. I mean, he is a video game creative player. He's a freak. Guy. I mean, he's, he, he was on the Bruce, Feld, Bruce Feldman freak list at the beginning of the year, and uh, he's proving that he was he was belonging uh, on that list. Yeah. There, there's just some of the stuff he does, you just shake his head. It's like, how, how does a human even – be able to move like that some of the catches he makes but it's going to be fun hopefully they got the the full complement of guys back for iowa um i I got a question for you before we wrap up okay this offense is rolling at such a high level right now and this might sound crazy but sometimes changes can kind of tweak things a little bit jackson smith and jigba coming back are they worried about getting the ball to him so much that it messes with the rhythm of this offense yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a totally fair question. Um, I'm I'm only going to say no as quickly as I say no, because Ryan Day did a pretty darn good job of adjusting to him not being there mm-hmm. um, and, and involving other guys. Jackson is also a really good team first player. He's not a selfish dude. He's not a prima donna. I, I think Jackson sort of knows, look, I've got goals beyond playing at Ohio State, and he's he's going to get a chance to play in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. So be the best teammate you can be. Take advantage of the opportunities you get. Ohio State obviously knows his capability and his skill set. They're going to find ways to get him the ball, and he and C.J. are really, really tight. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be a problem, quote-unquote, forcing the ball to him. Um, 
it's to me it's going to be more about who who is taken off the field or how many reps does he get how how healthy quote unquote is that hamstring um because Marvin obviously belongs in the field all the time Emeka Buka belongs in the field as often as you can get him out there Julian Fleming's played great you know are you going to go with four wide receiver sets does Kate Stover not play as often you obviously want Kate in there you know, when you're, when you're running the ball because he's such a good run blocker, but Cade's emerged as well as he has in the past game. It's, mm-hmm. you're just going to have to figure out ways to, to insert players. Um, the reality is, man, they're, they're basically playing with an all-star team against a lot of teams that are, are trying to find that talent level at a couple of positions along the way. Um, I expect Jackson to play well when he's out there. I, I have no reason to think otherwise. But I, I don't think the Buckeyes are going to have a problem, you know, quote unquote, trying to force the ball to him because they've done a pretty good job adjusting without him, and they know what they're capable of when he's not on the field. Um, so yeah, they'll they'll try to get him involved. Yeah. And, and I, I, I didn't think I didn't think they'd have a hard time with. That. I just want to get your take on that. And yeah. Coach Dave, in this past week, you, you talked all the weapons they have. Somebody's going to come off the field. He, he kind of even hinted, and I was surprised he said it. He kind of hinted that he's got some packages trying to figure out getting Travion and mine on the field at the same time. Um, sure. So who's who's coming off the field in those too? So it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully, we see it against Iowa. Hopefully, everybody's back. Really excited for the second half of the season for the Buckeyes, which will start a week from tomorrow when the Iowa Hawkeyes come to town. And I'm telling you, man, the uh, Ohio State has not forgotten the last matchup with the Hawkeyes. <laughs> and uh, one of my I tried to forget friends, it. <laughs> one of my best friends is an Iowa grad. And I promise he hasn't forgotten the last time either, because I get texts on a weekly basis for the last several years reminding me what happened when the Buckeyes <laughs> made a trip out west uh, yeah. a few years ago. So uh, the Buckeyes owe the Hawkeyes one. And given yeah. how inept Iowa's offense is, uh, if Ohio State can score two touchdowns, I think the Hawkeyes are in trouble. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think Spencer Petrus has fewer career touchdown passes than C.J. Stroud has pass, touchdown passes in the first six games of the season. Oh, um, gosh. And, and Iowa's defense scoring defense going into last week was ranked third in the country, allowing 10 points per game. They gave up nine points last week and lost because they can't move the ball. Uh yeah, real, not, real not, quick plug. I forget her name, but she covers Iowa football on Twitter, and she's pretty funny. She has a, a good video up breaking down uh, Brian Ferentz's contract per everything that happens on offense, and the amount of money he is making per first down uh, will make you chuckle. So that's so funny. Make sure you find that. I was just going to say a quick plug, but then we don't know where to find it. <laughs> yeah, we don't. I can't remember her name. Track. I will find it. I'll have it for you on Monday. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Well, enjoy the off weekend, everybody. Have uh, have fun watching some of the other games. There's obviously a big game in the SEC with Alabama and Tennessee. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. I think it's a six point spread. Last I looked, uh, and then in the Big Ten, the the you know Michigan and Penn State game is going to give us a good look at how two teams that are supposed to be the other top two contenders uh, against Ohio State in the East. We'll see how they play against each other and, and maybe which one could be a tougher opponent for the Buckeyes. You can find all the latest over at BuckeyesNow.com. We'd certainly appreciate it if you'd subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thanks for supporting the show. And uh, you can find this podcast wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts. For Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. Enjoy the rest of the bye weekend, and thanks for joining us here at Buckeye Breakdown.